It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, we welcome you to episode number 198 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. Probably going to be a pretty quick version. we got a lot going on uh, this particular day and this particular week, but I wanted to get with you guys and pump this out as quickly as we can. Let's start with all the news and all the information with the owners' meetings going on in Phoenix, Arizona. Jay Gruden spoke on Tuesday morning to the media. Uh, I was not there, of course, in fairness. I'm relying on all sorts of different reports and uh, beat reporters that were there, uh, such as Craig Hoffman, who um, is my colleague and co-host and friend on 106.7 The Fan. Well, sometimes he's my friend when he's not annoyed with me. Uh, He's probably much more my friend, but I I can annoy people uh, pretty easily. All right, so let's let's get to it. as far as Colt McCoy, remember on the last episode that we left you with, um, which was episode number 197, which we posted on Sunday night, we were concerned and we were alarmed, as was everybody, when we saw Colt McCoy on video at an IndyCar race as the Grandmaster or uh, basically the guy that says, gentlemen, start your engines uh, type dude, whatever the title of that person is, when he was on crutches because he had got hurt December 3rd. He was walking around at the end of the year. Remember, they said, hey, we're going to not put him on IR because we're hopeful that we can get him back by the end of the regular season and maybe for a potential playoff game. And, of course, they ultimately did when they were eliminated, but they kept that hope alive. So to see him on crutches on Sunday, March 24th, was alarming and jarring to a lot of people, and for good reason. It should have been. So apparently the Redskins, according to all the different reports and what Jay said and all that, basically said it's no big deal, just a cleanup procedure, pre-scheduled thing. They knew about it. Uh, It's not a setback per se. It's nothing to be alarmed about. Here's the problem. And I'm just going to be as honest as I can. It's not that I don't trust their medical staff. I do. It's not that I don't trust fully their training staff. Their training staff wins a bunch of awards. I know there are a lot of ex-players, and I'm sure there are current players, although I don't know how the current players operate and think as much as I know the former players that I covered on a day-in, day-out basis. I know there are former players, so let me just safely label it as that that strongly would disagree with any awards that they've won, with any notion that that is a quality rehab and, and, phys- and, and um, uh, training staff. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that they don't have an agenda as well. 
meaning the players, right? They see their career come to an end. They feel they get bad treatment or, or shoddy medical attention, and they're mad, and they're going to blame it on someone because, as we know, football contracts are not guaranteed. And even in some cases, when guys have made a lot of money and a lot of guaranteed money, they want more, and they feel more, and their career again gets hurt. So, you know, again, you can kind of go both ways there. Uh, but quite honestly, when it comes to this organization's luck, they have none. And sometimes, as we've talked about, people that don't do things the right way often enough and treat people poorly at some point, you know, Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen have. Now, they treated a lot of people well. They treated a lot of people well, but at some point that comes back to bite you. At some point that comes back to haunt you. At some point when you don't deserve good luck, when you haven't necessarily earned good luck, you don't get good luck. So Colt McCoy being on crutches, planned or no, is a little concerning. Now, Jay said he'll be back for the start of OTAs. Great. How much back? We don't know. Will he be fully back? I don't know. I've seen timelines that get obliterated and guys don't return. I've seen guys way ahead of schedule. We just don't know. But to say it shouldn't be a concern, to say it should not be any sort of issue or talking point or worry is completely incorrect. Completely incorrect. Colt McCoy has a long history of being injured. Every chance he's got, including last year, played one and a half games, not even one and a half games. Well, one and a half games from the time he replaced Alex Smith and a little bit more into that Monday night game, end of the first quarter, boom, done. And ultimately, as it turns out, done for the season. Now, maybe he could have, again, come back. Who knows? Uh, I, again, I would have believed that when I saw it as well. But the bottom line is, is he was hurt, cracked leg. There's nobody that can deny that. Then, back in 2014, he was hurt not once, but twice. Then, before coming to the Redskins, of course, with the Cleveland Browns. Now, this was a nasty shot. There's no doubt about it. But he was heavily concussed in that particular sequence. Now, again, do football injuries happen? Absolutely. Absolutely, they happen. They happen all across the board to every team, every organization, every not every player, but most players. But it seems like the injury bug is following the Redskins around big time over the last two years for sure. But even before that, they had a bunch of key injuries. They just had very little depth. So it seemed like it was even more. Now that they have more depth, they have a lot more injuries and they are more significant in a lot of ways. So I would say this again, you should be worried and I'm trying to be as fair and as politically correct as I can. I don't know what is going to happen here. Here's what I know. I don't trust the parties involved. Not that they're not telling you the truth, but that this thing is not going to be a problem. That's the best way I could put it. I don't trust that this thing is not going to be a problem. It's not, again, let me be clear. 
that I don't trust the doctors, that I don't trust the training staff, that I don't trust Jay Gruden. I don't trust that everything is going to work out the way they think it's going to work out. And don't look over here. We're fine. We're happy. We're good. Now, Jay Gruden uh, today at the owners' meetings, according to uh, Mitch Tischler, who works for NBC Sports Washington and who does a very popular Redskins podcast uh, and um, uh, with J.P. Finley uh, called Redskins 100. You should give it a listen. Uh, we would certainly encourage you to listen. And if they're, you know, certainly better than what I do, I, I, by all means, you know, I hope that I provide a little bit of a different spin uh, and deeper analysis while maybe not being as entertaining as I would like. Uh, when I don't have a guest. But Jay, when asked about Colt McCoy, said he's drinking milk. And he said, quote, and not the pasteurized kind. He said, Gruden, straight from the, and I'm just going to spell it out, how Mitch Tischler spelled it out, T-E-E-T. -E -E That's teat for strong bones. So, Jay, I assume just made a weird, bad joke, but he was talking about Colt McCoy, uh, I guess, breastfeeding? I don't know. I don't know how to process that. If you've got an idea on what the hell Jay Gruden meant, I, I have not listened to the audio yet, so I don't know exactly how he said it, but I know Jay, and I know his personality and I know his sense of humor and his sarcasm he probably meant it as a joke <laughs> I would assume he meant it as a joke but uh, it was a weird 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 thing for the head coach of the Washington Redskins to say I'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> just a weird thing all right we'll take a timeout we have a rule change that did not go through that I thought had a pretty good shot of going through as well, we've got some mock drafts and some uh, other issues that we've got to clean up. Uh, and Jay Gruden weighed in on Josh Norman. Yes. Remember that report from last week, which I dropped? Oh, yeah. Josh Norman in the headlines again. We'll do that next right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. It is episode number 198. Good to have you with us. I'm Chris Russell. Again, when you get in your car, make sure you tell your smart speaker device to play podcast Locked on Redskins. Back in a flash. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it is episode number 198 of the Locked On Redskins Podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. Good to have you with us uh, right here again on the Locked On Redskins Podcast. Don't forget to check out the new Himalaya podcasting app where you can listen to Locked on Redskins and download it right from there. It's a cool new uh, app and, well, not a new app, but a cool new uh, way to listen to the Locked on Redskins podcast. So make sure you go check them out there. It's called Himalaya uh, on your favorite uh, app store 
and site. All right, let's get to this right here on episode number 198. A couple of things to clean up. First on the quarterback situation. Case Keenum, according to uh, Sean Fahey, who uh, used to work at ESPN, I don't think he still uh, works there anymore. He kind of works independently. I think he was let go from ESPN because of an arrest or something like that. Uh, he's uh, basically one of these analytics guys, and he's uh, hails from Ireland, um, and he does have good information. I don't agree with everything that he says, uh, but I just wanted to pass this along. He says Case Keenum was the 10th best passer in the NFL when he lined up under center, but the 32nd worst from shotgun formations. So 10th best when under center, 32nd worst, or theoretically the worst, right? Because uh, unless I'm sure there were other quarterbacks that, that qualified beyond 32, but you get the point. Really close to the bottom, if not at the bottom, when passing under shotgun. Now, that's in terms of accuracy and all that. That is according to his website, presnapreads.com. Presnapreads.com. We'll dive more into that as we go through. So I wanted to pass that along now. A couple of things before we get too terribly far behind here. The NFL and the owners at the league meetings in Phoenix, Arizona, that 4th and 15 proposal from your own 35, which was made by the Denver Broncos, which would have given teams an alternative to trying to get the ball back in terms of avoiding the onside kick, which was severely limited this year for safety reasons and so on and so forth. That was rejected today by NFL owners, first reported by Mark Maskey, the Washington Post, and now others. Uh, the competition committee had endorsed the proposal seven to one. We had heard from John Mara, the Giants owner. You know, he's like, well, what is this? The Arena Football League? Well, no, it's actually just a way to make the game a little more interesting, a little more exciting, and add a little more intrigue and kind of discussion to what a team should do. And I guess he garnered enough support that the competition committee had again rendered this a good idea via vote at 7-1, to pretty overwhelming, and that it was rejected by the owners. Now, I believe they have to have 75% uh, of the 32 owners for it to go through. So, therefore, if that number is correct, which I believe it is, it's 24 out of 32, I mean, it could have been at 23. Uh, again, you're going to have some opposition. Maybe Mara was able, uh, over cocktails last night, to garner enough out, you know, uh, enough negative votes. Maybe it'll come back. But for right now and for this year, it looks like we are not going to have that. Also, NFL owners did vote to outlaw the blindside block. So you'll see a little bit more uh, on that in terms of officiating if and when that particular play uh, comes up. Now, Josh Norman has been in the news because of my report. About a week ago, I reported on 106.7 The Fan, thefandc.com, and right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast that coaches, some coaches, wanted to move on from Josh Norman. And there were members of the front office and the personnel department that also wanted to move on from Josh Norman. They thought he was too Hollywood. They thought he was too much of a superstar, too much of an egomaniac, too selfish, not worth 
the nearly $15 million that the Redskins were going to have to pay him under the salary cap this year in year four of five. He allowed eight touchdowns, according to Pro Football Focus, but he does some good things, and there's no denying that. He's tough, he's physical, he's feisty, and he is a leader to some degree. I don't think he's as good of a leader as the Redskins thought he was. I think he's more abrasive and more confrontational than leader. I, I don't think players gravitate towards him in any way, shape, or form. But his toughness and his competitiveness and his physicality and his feistiness certainly does stand out. There's many things I can ding Josh Norman for, and I have over the last three years. When everyone was singing his praises in year one, uh, I was here to tell you I broke down all the tape. He was not that good in year one. Uh, took the most amount of penalties in the league and got beat deep several times by pedestrian wide receivers. Now, he was good at other times, and again, that's pretty much the story of Josh Norman's tenure here in Washington. He's been good at times. He's been... Eh, at times. He hasn't been great. He just hasn't been. Uh, he was very good, I would say, for stretches of year two, at times in year one, and a couple of games and a couple of moments and a couple of matchups, most notably Odell Beckham in week seven, eight, uh, at MetLife Stadium when he, Beckham, was still with the Giants. But today... On Tuesday at the owners' meetings, Josh uh, Norman was under the spotlight. Of course, reporters asking Jay Gruden, hey, what about this report? What about his situation? I don't know if they said, what about this report? What about his situation? And he said, quote, according to Craig Hoffman, 106.7, the fan at Craig Hoffman, as far as his play for the whole season is concerned, it's a solid starting cornerback play. Now we're looking for more for Josh. And he's going to give us more because we're going to demand more. We're looking for superstar status, end quote. He went on to say, quote, to say he's performed as the best cornerback in the NFL would be far-fetched. But I will say this, I'm glad we got him, end quote. One more from Jay Gruden, again, via Craig Hoffman, at Craig Hoffman, 106.7 The Fan, uh, Redskins beat reporter. And my co-host and colleague uh, will do some radio together on Friday night. Uh, and we did some last week. Uh, the final quote is, quote, I think not having Josh Norman, our team, would be not quite as competitive as we have been with Josh Norman. And I think moving forward, having Josh Norman on this roster is going to help us get where we want to go. End quote. You can interpret that a lot of different ways. I can interpret that a lot of different ways. Here's how you have to interpret that, quite honestly, based off of what I reported, is that Jay Gruden is far, far, far from sold on Josh Norman and far from his biggest stand-on-the-table person in the building, if there is an even one. Because I had reported that some coaches, while not naming coaches – and I will not reveal uh, what the status of those coaches are. That's just not fair because, A, I'm not sure if that information is correct, and, B, it's just not fair. That some coaches and some members of the personnel department wanted to move on from Josh Norman. Again, the big cap number, all the hubbub, the Hollywood, the me, lack of leadership, all of that stuff. I didn't know if Jay Gruden was in that group. I believed he was, but I didn't know. These quotes make it very, very, very difficult for us to sit here and go, 
hmm, Jay Gruden loves Josh Norman. Jay Gruden is really pleased with Josh Norman. Now, I've been a victim of this before, and I will continue to be, and everyone will be. So you always have to be careful what a coach says. You always have to be careful when a coach launches and leaps praise on top of praise on top of praise. We've seen it with Ryan Grant, Maurice Harris, and so many others. Mike Shanahan staked his reputation on John Beck and Rex Grossman, which was a crock of you-know-what. He did not stake. He said that. People believed it hook, line, and sinker because they're dummies. He meant nothing. He meant nothing by it. He had to say it. But Jay Gruden did not have to open the door, open Pandora's box for his, let's just call it somewhat level of disappointment with Josh Norman. He could have said, what are you talking about? We love Josh. Josh is the best. Josh is the best cornerback we have. He's a leader. He's this. He's that. He's physical. He's feisty. He makes plays. We can't. Look at what he did against Odell Beckham in week seven. He didn't. He didn't say any of that. He did say, and he did allow that they are glad they have him, he did allow that his play was solid, not even good. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? He did allow that Josh Norman is competitive as you know what. That's true. That's accurate. That's about the only thing that matches up with what Jay Gruden said that is absolutely accurate. I shouldn't say that. That is absolutely in line with what I've heard. Quite honestly, nobody would question Josh Norman's feistiness and competitive spirit. Question his preparation, question how dedicated he is, question how good of a leader he is, how good he is in coverage and man coverage, deep speed, all that. That's all on the table. That's all fair. That's all been criticized. That will continue to be criticized. That's all right. Far from a ringing endorsement from Jay Gruden on Josh Norman. And that's how I'll leave that. All right, we'll come back and wrap this thing up. Right here, we have some information on Landon Collins and his uniform number, which has been a big issue We'll touch on that next, right here on the Locked On Redskins podcast, episode number 198. Thanks for being with us. Make sure you follow at Locked Redskins on Twitter, at Locked Redskins on Twitter, uh, and at Locked On NFL Net for all of your NFL team news and information. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being with us right here on the Locked On Redskins Podcast, episode number 198. We'll finish it up very quickly with this. We found out on Tuesday that Case Keenum was going to wear number eight. That's right. A new number eight at quarterback for the Redskins. I'm not sure if number eight was worn last year by anybody. I don't remember. 
to be honest with you, and I don't care. Uh, but it used to be Kirk Cousins' number. It used to be Rex Grossman's number. Clearly, it's a number that the Redskins uh, use for their quarterbacks. Uh, and the bottom line is, is Case Keenum is going to wear number eight. Nobody cares about that, just passing that along, because it's a new player, a new quarterback, uh, a new face, and a new number, and he's probably going to be the starter. If not week one, he'll be the starter shortly. Now, as far as... Landon Collins. This has been an interesting one to watch. There was thought that he would wear number 36, like DJ Swearinger did, which was Sean Taylor's old practice number. Um, there was his comments to my colleagues Grant Paulson, Danny Ruye on 1067 of the fan right before his press conference about wearing number 21, Sean Taylor's number 21, which is not retired by the Redskins. Uh, but wearing Sean Taylor's number 21, which nobody else has, of course, worn and nobody should wear, quite honestly. And I've kind of stayed out of this. He said as long as it would be OK with Sean Taylor's family. Well, something happened somewhere along the way. And I don't know if he was told, you know, by Sean Taylor's family, no, it's not really something we would be a big fan of. Or if the Redskins advised him not to, I'm not sure exactly how that played out. My guess would be is the Redskins probably said, hey, you might want to consider this. I know this is important to you. I know this is you can honor the legacy of Sean Taylor in a lot of different ways without putting a bullseye on your back and wearing his uniform number. So the picture came out today from at Redskins, meaning the official Twitter account of the Washington Redskins and Sean Taylor and sorry, Landon Collins was not wearing Sean Taylor's number 21. Again, the correct decision, whoever made it, however they made it, however it came about, he was wearing and is wearing number 20 in the picture that they sent out. So Landon Collins will wear number 20. Case Keenum will wear number eight, and away we go. And that kind of puts that controversy to bed or that issue to bed. Again, I understand Landon Collins wants to embody the spirit and the, the being of Sean Taylor. It was his favorite player. It was the reason he became a Redskins fan. Largely, to some degree, it is the reason why the Washington Redskins quickly landed Landon Collins, in addition to a lot of money and a desperate need at the position. But... Landon Collins can do a lot of things to honor the legacy and the times uh, and the memory of Sean Taylor. He can be a great, great, great player and give Redskins fans and the Redskins organization something they haven't had since Sean passed away. And that's just by being great at his job. And that's by being a model citizen. And that's by being a leader and a charismatic uh you know, type guy behind the scenes that rallies the troops as opposed to dividing the troops uh, like I think Josh Norman has at times. Uh, and that's the way you honor the legacy of Sean Taylor. You talk about him, you think about him, you make reference to him, you honor him, you do not wear him if that makes sense. So I'll leave it at that. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for downloading us. Again, don't forget to check out the all-new Himalaya podcasting app as well. You can check out Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts, Spotify, and more for the Locked on Redskins podcast. I'm Chris Russell. Thanks for being with us on the Locked on Redskins podcast, episode number 198. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.